Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fit Vet Pod. My name is Ben Lomas, and lockdown restrictions are, have been reduced. And one man who's very excited about it is my podcast wife, my dear friend, the one and only Dorof Jai Singer. I've told you I am your podcast husband. This is a husband-husband <laughs> relationship. Hey, Ben Lomas, we, this is very exciting. I've been reading a book called The Obstacle is the Way. I actually finished it. It's a fantastic book about how there's all these difficulties that people run into and then you find, in hindsight, new opportunities that arise from the obstacle that was in the place in, or because of the obstacle being in place. And I've realized that for our podcast, one of the difficulties of having to do this from a distance means that we had to find ways of recording from far away, which has given us access to people that we would have probably been felt too bad to invite into our little podcast studio, which means that we have straight from Ramsey Street. Oh, my God. DB Rebecca, a.k.a. Sharon <laughs> Johal, welcome to Fitbit. Hi, hi. Hey, hello. Welcome. Thanks for, thanks for letting me be on your show. And to be honest, I would have, I would have met up with yeah. you. Look, maybe not right now. You're not worth the health, worth the health risk sure. right now. But I definitely would have In a would, pre-COVID world, I would have felt bad, Sharon. The last, so, so some context we got to say. So, you, uh, you know, you and I met each other a couple of times here and there at industry stuff. And then uh, you had your podcast because like you said uh, well for starters let's clarify this Ben you pointed out very uh, quite uh, obviously at the start when Sharon came on that she might be the most well-dressed guest we've had in this zoom version of the podcast yes yes and in saying that we do have comedians who let's be honest aren't the most well-dressed people when it comes to these yeah. kind of things, but we've gone from one one end to, to the other end, and and yeah. and yes, we do have someone who who on Zoom. I assume it could just it just could be the laptop, she just could be the screen talking. Um, but uh, but you do have an excuse for looking this good. My, you know what? I'm a lady that works on screen, so I do know my angles. Ah. And also, I did tell you, I did tell you though. I generally in ISO, we've been shooting. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been shooting. But generally in ISO, I look like rat shit, and that can be 100% confirmed by everyone that knows me. But I just like I don't want to wear makeup. I don't do my hair. But I did come off of set, and I was shooting today, yeah. so I have an excuse. I have a professional who did, did my makeup like for an so hour. Is this so, a scoop? I mean, is this a scoop that that neighbors is back filming that television still exists? in Australia and is still getting shot right now. Yes. Well, look, it has been out in the media, so people know about it, but we were the first production um, in an Australian, in sorry, English-speaking world to be returning to work during oh, this crazy pandemic. really? So, that, yeah, so it's crazy. It, it was, um, I suppose we're like the guinea pigs a little bit in a mm-hmm. way. It's definitely in Australia we are. Um, but it was exciting and it's groundbreaking, but it was also scary at the same time because obviously this is an un- unprecedented time. This has never happened before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're still figuring it out along the way, but we've got an incredible production. T- you know, producers come and go, crew comes and goes, but um, these cast members have been through kind of everything. So they have a, a say in a lot of the stuff. But I'm like Alan Fletcher's little side rep. It's so funny. Um, and and so when he, because he wasn't there for a few weeks, he was um, off. And so then I had to kind of do that. But it, again, it's like, it's it's ground that we haven't broken before. On the other side, in terms of seniority, I think we've got Colette Mann there and then Stefan's. Now I'm a big there. fan of Colette because I got to know Colette over the comedy festival because we shared a venue together. 
And so she was doing a show and it was just, I, I didn't realise how long she'd been in the industry because she, she like she doesn't look as old as she looks, and so when she was telling st- telling stories, Wait, she, she doesn't look as old as she looks. Or were you trying to say she doesn't look as old as she is? What are you trying yeah, to say? Yeah, look. Either way, it's insulting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to participate yeah. in that so, part of this conversation. So, just right, listen. I, just listen. I fell in love with Colette because, like, even in like some nights, like she was doing this comedy show, and then some nights, like she'd come backstage and we watched her show, and it was all about audience participation but i was also amazed that she was like quoting stuff like from like television series i'd never heard of where you know film was put in the camera like it made me feel young which is actually again this is not helping my cause here at all (laughs) but i was but i was just like for her as well like talk about like as an actor you go through all that and now you get to this stage where you're now still in Television. This is what I think. I think that a lot of people, and I would never ever say, you know, I say as someone with such great life experience, that's what I say to her. But she's really humorous about it anyway. Like if you said that to her, oh, she'd yeah. be like, "What do you mean you thought I, you thought I was dead? Like you're just surprised that I'm still alive?" Yeah. Um, she, it's it's kind of like that older community. Um, I think they all, because I see it in my neighbourhood and grandparents and things like that. They've been through like crazy shit in their lives. So they're just like, pandemic, what? Like this, it's going to be fine. We'll be able to survive. I mean, we're at home in the luxury of our own home. It's not like when the war happened, uh-huh. you know, where we all had to go to different places. So I think she's Wh- kind which, of- What that, was this? Was um, this the American like- Civil War that she was part of? <laughs> <laughs> she turned 70 like a couple of weeks before right, Easter. Okay. So you, she looks great she, for her She age. was there when Jesus was around. Say, then. Sorry. Yes, yeah. And she was she did prisoner. She did, you know, like <laughs> those shows. Um, so Sharon, I remember sorry, that show. They, you don't know yeah. you go. I was going to say, Ben, was that show the one that she did with Clive? Uh, so we with Jeff yes, Payne? yes, yes. So uh, yeah, I saw that. So too. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. And she, yeah, it was all audience participation. Yeah, and like, and not just a little bit, like full on. Like she, oh, the whole she thing. Made, she, <laughs> they made improv look like it was, it was nothing. It was just every person. Yeah. The night we went to, uh, the numbers were a little bit low, but then by the end, we were all in the show. There was like, it was just amazing. Yeah. Like I think <laughs> I was holding a handy cam at one stage. It was very, it was, but a lot yeah. of fun. Like I, I think that's what I, I really enjoyed. And again. Acting chops. Like I, I, cause a little part of me, we've had, Dylan and I have had friends who've been on Neighbours and I secretly, cause I grew up with Neighbours, I secretly want to try and get a small role on Neighbours. I just feel like as, as a comic. Right. In, in, oh, so that's why we're doing this exactly. podcast. Exactly. I need to put a good word. to me, Sharon, but okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's. Just, uh, but speaking of though, like, uh, sorry to cut you off there, Ben, <laughs> but like, did you, did you grow up watching Neighbours and stuff, uh, Sharon? Yeah. Me? Because um, I grew up in a very, very tiny rural town called Renmark and it's like population of 5,000 in rural South, South Australia. And we, yeah, very small. But we only had 5A. I don't know if you know that channel. Channel 5A mm-hmm. and Channel uh, ABC. And 5A was probably kind of like Channel 9. So we didn't have, we had neighbours, but we didn't have Home and Away. And I did watch it at the start, yeah, when it kind of, uh, when I was growing up. But then I did the same thing as a lot of people do. They kind of watch it till they're like, 13 12 uh-huh. 13 and then they stop right. and then they come back in their yep. 40s till they die <laughs> yeah like you it, grew up watching it ben yeah so a little bit just because uh my mum because my mum is dutch and when we migrated over here and when did neighbors start in not 
You said 35, 35 years, years ago, ago, so 1985. So 1985. So I just remember in the like late 80s and early 90s, I, we started watching it. And my mum was watching it because she was like, you know, she was already trying to deal enough with being in Australia and just kind of understand, like watching it and, and kind of yeah. not analysing it, but it was just like you'd watch it at 6.30 and everyone would watch it and you'd talk about it the next day. And there was those pivotal points where it was one of the most popular television shows. And then we just stopped but then I started working at a hostel in about 2004 and five, where it sort of went, it had a big resurgence. But that's when I just became in love with it because my job as an activities manager was to take backpackers in a minibus and take them down to Nutterwadding to Ramsey Street. To Pinnock Court. Yeah. And then, right. and then and watch their disappointed faces when they realised you don't film in the houses. <laughs> Oh, wow. No, it's so funny. Yeah, we don't. We literally go up until the front doorstep, yep. and then we go back to studio you know, to to film. And you only oh, and you only no, do it. This is you, you're you're oh, you're you're dissecting the toadfish, and it's not fun for us. <laughs> and, and you only do yeah. it once every couple oh, yeah. of like like because there's that classic scene under the original one where it's like where, you know where they're all playing cricket out. I don't know like if it's the same, but they're all playing cricket out on the court. And and every time you took a bus there, you drive up there, and that, it'd be usually like you know. 18 English people and then one uh, South American who just got confused and you just get up yeah. there and then just their disappointment, like that there was no yeah. one there. Yeah. Except Plus, don't what, for, don't yeah. forget the, the tour guide who is fucking high off his head. <laughs> yeah. That's not yeah, he's, he's selling weed all the way there and back. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you got to supplement yeah. your no, buy income somehow, don't you, Ben? <laughs> it's so, but it is true that because um, that you know that's funny you talk about that iconic moment. So we actually recreated that for the 35th anniversary. So uh, you probably don't remember, but a character's called um, Des, and oh, I can't even remember their characters. But there was an iconic scene that we created, my husband and I, on the show, where he gets me with the sprinkler ah, yes. and starts wetting yes, me yes. and puts me chucks me over his shoulder and that. But we play cricket there every Christmas, as that's part of the group. We always have that in the script. So because that old sort of uh, I suppose nostalgia is what a lot of people love and you're right like when we were growing up and it's that 6 30 time slot mum's getting dinner ready dad's getting dinner ready we're eating at that time we're watching it we're kind of stuck there then we talk about it it's interesting because that was where we were kind of at our peak and everyone loved it and now we've actually since we've been in lockdown and the UK especially we are just so popular, like our ratings are off the chart. And I don't know if it's because they're forced to stay at home <laughs> and there's not much else to watch right. or because they actually truly love it and it gives them that sense of comfort, which I think a lot of people are craving right and, now. Well, I think the show has that ability to once you, maybe it might slip away from you, but once the storylines, you get sucked into it, you really want to see how it plays out. And because there's yeah. like a never ending sense to the playing out of it, it's like it just keeps going. So it's like, you know, there's no necessary yeah. sense of seasons. You know what I mean? Like you'd have with a no, with an American yeah. or British TV show. This one has that ongoing nature. It's like the game Sims. There's no real yes. <laughs> end of a level that you go, OK, I finished that level. I'll go to bed now. Whereas the same way with this storyline, if there's a reason like this lockdown, I suppose that people are starting to like you know, tune back into, it then would sort of start spiraling back towards them sort of going, oh shit, what else happened? And because I, I used to watch a lot of Bold and Beautiful as a kid. Uh, my, actually, my mom did and I got hooked in by through her. And Neighbours was huge for us until uh, the late 80s, early 90s, I reckon. And, and to date, I reckon Jason Donovan has like a huge popularity uh, for his yeah. music, 
over in Sri Lanka. Like, uh, you know, Sealed with a Kiss is something that still gets played on the radio. And, uh, wow. and uh, especially wow. for you, but with him and Kylie. So, yeah, I, I, I find it really amazing how it had this huge popularity in Sri Lanka in the early 90s, late 80s. And I don't think it airs now, even if I'm not sure. But yeah. Well, uh, it's random. We air we air in like a bunch of random places because you'll have people like from Germany, um, yeah, like European countries and stuff who watch it. Um, India as well has had it for a bit. Like there's there's a bunch of different places, and it's interesting how people pick up on it. And it is you're right, it get, especially for people might like because my parents are migrants too, so they wanted to watch it because they wanted to understand the Australian culture. And a show like that is a reflection on Australian culture more so now that I'm in. I was going to say now that I'm. In. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was sort of counting down to when I can ask that question. Because yeah, I didn't, right. I mean, I'm very. Is it? A, is it a lot? Yeah. I don't want it to be loaded. But are you the first person of color who's a recurring character? Well, well, first, I suppose first Punjabi Sikh Indian character. They did have Indian, um, an Indian family that was in there before um, oh, they, they got killed off. I know. I should laugh, but they I found know, a way to I kill know. the entire family. I know. How did, and uh, I mean, rumor has it that, I mean, I don't know if this is true and I can't verify, yeah. but one of the actors had told me themselves that they initially were thinking of um, going, sending them to India, even though they had no connection to the country, they actually were from the UK or something. So I think that's what ended up. Yeah, I know. That's what ended up happening, but they, um, they left yeah. and uh, it's first interracial uh, like long-term relationship yeah, um, on right. like as a main character, which is so crazy because, you know, we grow up and we go look at our friends and our family and who's around us. And it, we're, it's like, it's like we are playing catch up. Like you probably know we have the first transgender um, actress uh, yep. and character same in same on the show now. And that's never really been shown on a mainstream commercial show. And so we've got that. So, I mean, that obviously has existed for ages, but in terms of showing it mm. and representing it's the first. So we, we're really progressive in that way. And also we had the first gay marriage Oh, as well yeah. i don't know if you remember oh. between the two guys and magda Sabansky was officiating that wedding like she officiated mine like yeah, you know right. she it, all of those sort of things so yeah really progressive but when i was growing up especially when we were watching it and when i was saying daddy i want to be an actress dad was like shut up like that's never going to happen yeah. you, you, you're never going to be on a show like that you'll never get a job because look you're not on there. Yeah. So I never really saw that yeah. growing up. But I always I always loved yeah. it because it was just it was. It was just white families in a in a white suburb in, in the outskirts of Melbourne, uh, doing very white things. That, that's that's the show that, that's yeah. what television was back then. And all the exciting moments was like, you know, I always remember that like when Harold Bishop disappeared, right? Everyone disappeared. But everyone, all of Melbourne. And probably the rest of Australia just goes, he'll be back one day. He'll be back. He'll yeah. be back. And then one day there he's back, and the backstory was ridiculous, but it was he was yeah. back, and it was it didn't matter because he right. could start again. But I just remember he's, now he's one of the luckier Harolds in Australian history, as yeah. opposed to Holt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I know. So, so Sharon, <laughs> I, I'm always fascinated by this because it is it is a very very popular show in the UK. Is it as popular? Like, do you, do you get stopped more by UK people? Maybe maybe not at the moment, but do you get stopped more by UK people? or Australian people? Like, I'm always fascinated by this. Yeah. 
I definitely think um, the Brits are way more obsessed with the show than, and they definitely are. Like on their um, channel, we're like top rating on their on their channel on Channel Five. In Australia, it's a bit difficult because we used to be on Channel Ten, and then um, they moved us to Channel uh, Peach. It was called something else, Channel Peach. Eleven, and then yeah. Ten, yeah. yeah, now it's Ten Peach. Um, and they made way for a great, you know, news entertainment program, The Project, which is great. Um, but like they moved us over to that because that, and we lost a lot of viewership yeah. as a result of that. Um, and it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like people in the UK, they actually watch every single episode um, every day, every week. And they, they are so invested in it almost to the point where they think I'm Dippy, I'm that character. Right. And you know, they'll have got, they'll have a go at me of something I've oh, done really? or I've nagged my husband or whatever. Yeah, they will. They will literally, and they'll, uh, they'll tweet at me and I was like, dude, I don't write this shit. I, it's not me. <laughs> comedian, um, comedian and, and Greg I Fleet, do. I think Greg Fleet killed off a, a, his character killed off an important character in he was like a he was only in like three or four episodes but he killed off one of the main characters at the time this would have been early 90s and i think he would get stopped on the street and kind of you know people getting annoyed at him for doing that and he's like what are you talking about it's crazy i know and then like just things like how storylines play out and our responses to situations and you know just getting just hammered for it it's like dude that's the character yeah. like my character specifically she's a she's like a so she, we don't have huge drama in our family but i'm I'm fucking involved in everyone's business. That's for sure. Right. I mean, people have their conversations out loud in my cafe in Harold's and of course I'm going to listen and then I get involved and then I try to better a situation by furthering information to someone else. And then it comes back and why did you blab? And people are like, you're such a nosy. I bitch. hear a, <laughs> I yeah. hear a spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And do you know, to be honest, I modeled my character on my mum a bit because she does get involved in everyone's oh, wow. business, but unashamedly and, un and unapologetically, she'll just will. She's like, no, but it's for your own good. That, I mean, I'm trying to help you. That's right, what it is. Right, and so, yeah, right. people have a go. But in Australia, I have to say, I do get recognized quite a bit as well um, when I'm out. And I don't even know if it's because of the show. I think it's because I'm out and about, a bit of a profile, whatever. Do and, they think you're. Um, maybe do they think you're Walid Ali? <laughs> oh, they think we're related. They're like, do you know? Like, you know, it's funny what you said about Kamal because when I was growing up, people thought Kamal was my uncle. It's just so weird. I think I owned it as well. I said, yeah, I, at school, I was like, yeah, he is because it made me cooler. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's like, just, I, you know, because what um, I find amazing is so at my time at the hostel, I organized quite a few neighbors' nights where we'd get uh, one or two of these neighbor stars, uh, and uh, we usually we went, we used to go through their agents and then they'd say hey just call us separately and then hand them cash now that was a different day it's a different day but we used to have no I'd... no that still happens and if anyone's listening i'll do stuff for cash but, up on instagram but i just remembered like it was just insane like we made an absolute killing like the bar would be packed we'd do this music i would then do an announcement this is probably the first time i ever got onto a microphone and then i do an announcement i'm not going to mention we had different ones but there were two ones who came down quite a lot right quite a lot because they really enjoyed Enjoy the attention of, uh, let's say, female UK backpackers. And I just remember, I was like, wow, what a life. You're an actor, you get paid a bunch of cash, I'm giving you piss for free, and you're probably going to pick up. Greatest life ever. I know. It's a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. We, we don't do them anymore. We have, uh, we have like, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I never did 
the backpack is. But, uh, you know, we have like a bus, a touring bus that comes through. But, yeah, those shows. Are, I know Fletch, do you know, it's funny, actually. I went, to, I went, I'm from Adelaide, but I was in Melbourne one time years and years ago. And I did the tour myself and it was oh. Alan Fletcher. Yeah who has since become good family friends, but he did it and he loves sing. He sang at your, at these events. Cause he does that as well. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause this one particular person, it was like, I just remember I was just like, they just played pool and they just hung out. And then that was just like, I mean, showing my age, but digital cameras were the big thing. So it was just, yeah. it was nonstop photos the whole time. Like, by the yeah. end of them, and then they do some sort of kit, like, uh, yeah, oh, that's right, sorry, I just remember this. We had two of them ones down there, and then one girl goes, let's play spin the bottle. And I was like, well, I need to be, like, I need, like, this is a big no-no, right? And then both of them went, yeah, we're up for it. And I was like, okay, I'll leave you guys alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my involvement out of it for legal yeah, reasons like, and liability reasons. Later. But you guys go for it. Have and, a good and time. This is, and this is back in the day where I remember like hearing some of them would get this is crazy, where you'd be such like for big main characters back then, you'd fly over to London for one night. For one night, yeah. have an appearance. People go absolutely bananas. Like we're talking like hundred, if not a thousand people, and then fly back the next day. Yeah, yeah. That was definitely the peak time. Since then, it's not as well, there was like there was going to be an in conversation actually before COVID kind of hit, where Alan and Jackie, so his on-screen wife, who celebrated their twenty-five years this year, they were going to do it, but unfortunately that didn't go ahead. But yeah, not. I, I think like Neighbours has kind of had a massive peak, and then we kind of stabilized for a bit. But the Kylie time was the biggest, and right. and what kind yeah. of came after that, and the guy Guy Pierce and that whole oh, thing. For some reason, it just went. Off the charts, yeah. Can we never really kind of got back up to so that? So, is Guy Pierce and Kylie around world. the same time, or were they separate years? Separate. S- similar, similar times. I don't remember, no. but I'm told it's similar times. And um, Annie Jones, similar time. We play Play Jane and Mrs. Mangle and, and Mel, yeah. Mel Gibson. It's funny because they weren't actually on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they weren't actually on for that long. But their, uh, I suppose, the reception of them. It was kind of at the start of the right, show. Right, right. I was going to say, uh, how are you dealing with it? Because it's a different time back then neighbors back then there was no social media there was no nothing now every time yeah. an episode comes out do you are you waiting for the onslaught of social media are you do you delve into that or do you it's yeah it's interesting um because i think social media is just a beast in itself like it can do really great things for you and you can um have a, a lot of visibility and it's a great platform for certain things like for myself i do a lot of activism so I really love it for that. But yeah, you're right. I do. I actually don't t- keep track of because we, we filmed three months prior. So it's three months ahead. I don't actually know what's airing every day. Right. So I don't keep track. But, you know, so I, I don't sit there in anticipation. But some days I'll just get like a barrage of, oh, my God, why did you do that? Why did you say <laughs> this? And it's mostly on oh it's mostly God. on Twitter because I know on t- in Instagram you can like it goes to these other folders. But it's mostly on Twitter. And then you just let people fight for you. They have the – it doesn't actually affect me in a negative way because I know it's my character. At the start, it did, though. I'm not but it's lie, the, But it is still... I, what they're upset about is what the character did. Yeah, oh yeah. But Lord. at the start, what they do do, because the audience, our neighbour's audience is famous for not liking any sort of change. They hate it when people leave. They hate it when new people come. So they'll hate you for a they good They hate when mix, races so, are yeah. mixed? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, people will, like, go back to your own country and, like, what, regional South Australia? Where, where would you like Fuck, me to did you go? cop some of that? Um, I copped heaps of it to be honest uh, at the start. And 
Yeah, it was really aggravating and, and it's hard because, because um, you know, it's not, it's, they don't, the people you network and stuff, they, they want to normalise it so it's not a thing so that, you know, they don't want to go out of their way to protect you. But then in doing that um, or they won't men- make mention of it, it's just an awkward thing to handle. And so you're kind of on your own in, in regards to that. I mean, unless it's a serious thing, then you bring it to their attention. But, like, I'm very lucky because I came onto the show after I'd already had an established career doing something else. Um, and I've and I've kind of dealt with racism in my life. I've dealt with misogyny. I've done a lot of stuff in my life. So I came in kind of quite tough. Right. I do feel sorry for people that come onto the show and they're, like, in their 13, 14, 15, right. and then that's when they're kind of getting it because I just think that that would be horrendous. Yeah. But, yeah, at the start I was um, insecure because I came from working as a lawyer and then this was – I had a few little acting jobs before that, but this is my main one. Uh-huh. And so when they say, like, her acting's really shit, like it would be one comment out of a hundred. Yeah. The other ones would be good, but that would be, and that would be the thing that yeah. stuck. So I was like, maybe my acting is shit. Like, of course it's not going to be great straight away. Like I'm brand new. Right, because everyone has imposter syndrome anyway. But let alone exactly. when you're coming off the back of you know having a previous career and you're starting out new, it just yeah. happens to be such a big iconic TV show. You just take yeah. it, it would just take one comment to kind of undo. Well, yeah, and I and I did courses and like I did other acting schools stuff, but I didn't go to NIDA. Mm. So because I didn't go to NIDA, I was like, I'm not a full actor. Mm. Um, you know, the Nas- National Institute of Dramatic Arts, and there's a whole wankery about that as oh, well it's within huge. the acting world. If you haven't gone, yeah, if you haven't gone there, then you're not. But I was too busy doing a law and commerce degree and doing acting on the side. So like, and I never really thought this was going to be a real possibility for me. Uh-huh. So I didn't dedicate my whole self into it, and then yeah, it kind of happened. So there's all of those different things that happen when you first I mean, reacting's um, acting. That's all I got when I was on set. And that was, <laughs> and that was someone from NIDA just going, hey, I spent 10 years getting here. You've done comedy. You're here. Just reacting's acting. I'll say something, you react to it. I was like, best advice oh, ever. <laughs> man, getting acting jobs as a comedian and then talking to extras who are so pissed off. Oh. That they, 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 they're like, so did, oh, yeah. they're like, did you audition? I'm like, nah. It's <laughs> yeah. like, nah. I and told also, a couple of jokes about my dick on stage and they went, that's the guy we need I to play know. this role. <laughs> to play himself. And the worst is, <laughs> is when you eat first and then the extras eat afterwards. I never... I never get used to that. Oh, that hierarchy oh. system fucks me off to no end. I hate it. I'm like, crew, like really the people that work the hardest, which isn't the, the actors, crew. I believe, they should be eating yeah. first. Mm. Yeah, But absolutely. it's just like, I remember seeing the extras and you just go, oh God, that's that, that hurts. Yeah. So Sharon, the way this came about is I did your podcast, which, you know, I guess plugged right now is a good time to plug it. But, uh, and then while talking to you, when you're interviewing me, we realized how similar a lot of our, um, some of our story is in terms of coming from a different background, but also in terms of growing up with, you know, uh, a, a sort of the cultural uh, c- celebration around food was very much resonating with you a lot more. So first of all, what's your podcast? So my podcast is called We Are The Real Ones. Um, and the way it came about was, uh, it, it was something that was on my to-do list, I suppose, and something I want to do for a long time. But just given the vigorous working schedule, filming schedule at Neighbours, I didn't have the time to in, really invest in it and figure out exactly what it was going to be about. But then we had that forced uh, shutdown because of corona, mm-hmm. corona. And then we weren't really sure what was happening. And so during that time, I had four weeks. I basically nailed into what I wanted to do 
got some incredible guests on, including yourself. And um, the whole the whole point of it, and I suppose my point of difference was that I want to, I felt like in my line of work, I get to come across incredible people all the time who share such amazing information and knowledge and their real and authentic experiences, whether they're positive, or whether they're negative um, challenges and all that sort of stuff. And I personally gain a lot of value from that. So I thought, why not share that? And that's mm. one way I could potentially give them spot on. Um- so when you're filming, is there a different uh, schedule in terms of your fitness and, 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 and focusing on health or that side of things? Do you have a, a go-to fitness regime or a diet plan or do you generally, well, what's your approach to health and fitness generally? And yeah. is it different when you're filming versus when you're not? You know, I wish I could say yes, because that was seen with food and exercise is just like a, a thing of necessity. Like I only do things when I need to do things. I absolutely hate working. Out. I think one of the things that maybe Ben and I have learned from doing this is that whatever your, uh, you know, the thing that you're doing that, that you enjoy, that fitness seems to be the byproduct of is the best approach for you. Like it, it shouldn't, it's almost like chasing fitness is a tough one, but if you're, cha- if you're doing something because it's fun and then, you know, you just happen to be burning calories while doing it, that seems to be the more sustainable kind of approach to it. Because I've lost yeah. mine recently, Sharon, because of lack of yeah. work, my f- main form of transport uh, is riding a bike. Uh, but because there is no work at the moment, I lose that ability of doing traveling and exercising at the same time. Uh, I mean, gotcha. the fact that I'm looking after two small children full time uh, adds a bit of an element to it too. But it's just, it's amazing when you lose that, that you know, like an accidental exercise as we, you know, as yeah. it's called, you, you, you miss it or even right. sport. Like, you know, like for a lot of people, yeah. the two places to go at the moment is, you know, is the gym or, or, you know, mm. or playing some sort of sport and you can't do either of them at the moment. Yeah, I hear you. And during this time, like obviously we're going through and this pandemic and I've been trying to be really careful with the language and the stuff that I use around it on my channels and my platforms. But I think we obviously need to be really kind to ourselves and not too hard on ourselves um, because we're experiencing something we haven't before. And I think like this trauma and this um, anxiety and all of this stuff that's kind of happening, we're still figuring it out. But I've been finding that I have been taking the piss the other way because I'm just like, fuck it, we're in a pandemic. I'm not going to worry about it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to drink a bottle of red wine tonight. I'm going to do that. Can't be bothered going for a run. I'm not going to, you know. And coming back to work after four weeks off, I put on like, and whatever it is, I didn't notice, but I put on like seven kilos in four weeks, which is crazy. But I only noticed when I put the clothes on when I went back to work because it was tight because I don't weigh Mm. myself. And then Mm. for me, it's hard because like, if I was normal living in an ordinary life where I'm not on screen, where, you know, it does actually weight does look even more so on yourself when you're on screen. And I don't know people that I've got to be matching in my family and stuff. I don't think I would be so, um, I, I wouldn't care as much as what, what I'm aware. The awareness is less, isn't it? Yeah. The awareness the is less. I think I'd just yeah. be fine with it. But because I work yeah. in an industry where, especially with the women, it's mm. just hot. We're hot. They're hyper aware. They're talking about it all the time. They're bagging on themselves. You know, they're withholding, restricting all of these conversations that are kind of negative around food and stuff. And then I try to fight that and overcompensate the other way by going, fuck it. So it's like finding things where I'm kind of sabotaging in a way, but I, I wish I cared more about it. Like, because my health is pretty good. I I do like go for walks. Um, I'll go for a walk every day. And um, if I can get a bit of boxing in, but physically like 
it sounds weird, but like, I don't think I look offensive. I don't think I'm unhealthy in a way. I'm not mm. obese or anything. So it's okay. But in saying that I have a real issue with control with food. And this is what we were talking about, Dilruk, is that like, um, I go the other way where I happy, sad, anxious, anything, reward myself with food. Like right now, I don't know if people can see, I just finished like a family pack of this and a family pack of that before I got onto. Yeah. So it's Smith's chips and uh, pods. I'll just get my five caramel koalas out of the bin. Yeah. Get him yeah. out. Let's show and tell <laughs> i uh i i uh i was feeling a bit down today so just before this call i actually went and got four uh, boxes of fried chicken so uh i'm i'm with you <laughs> yeah you know and these days yeah i mean and who would i mean i always froth off of your fried chicken and stuff on insta but yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. I, I it's that that thing of like Every day is something, I think with this schedule as well, because I start a lot of days at six in the morning, I'm up at mm. five, I don't know how to sleep early. So then I'm tired and grumpy the whole next day, but then I'll find things to make me feel better, the sugar rush. And and like today was a particularly tough day. So then I ate that food and then trying not to feel guilty about it. It's like these cycles of madness and it's mm. so hard to stay motivated and to stay committed to being healthy, I suppose. Sharon, Sharon, I think that's really important because I've been in a similar boat. I've really struggled uh, throughout this pandemic. Uh, And it was one thing of it's, uh, you know, you said your loss of identity. It's so good to hear you're going back to work because like myself and I know many other people who have, don't have that luxury or fall in the park as I do, where you become the primary care of your family, which is a new thing to you, and that therefore uh, their well being, uh, you know, does come uh, before yours. You, you try and look after it as much as you possibly can. But yeah, the, the eating, uh, and uh, like Dylan Dil and I don't drink, but it, it's probably the hardest one where it's like I have really considered about cracking open that delicious Merlot that was given to me uh, about a year ago. Uh, uh, and you go, should I open it? And and, and that's and I, I haven't had that urge at all, like really, probably. I feel like I was like, I, I doubt that that will ever come back. But this pandemic and the stresses it especially puts on, on families and everyone, but uh, like I just realised that, yeah, you, I, I know for a fact that I am not being kind to myself. And, and yeah. especially it's harder, especially going back. Like I can imagine you uh, eating all the food and then going back there and for people who don't know in television land is wardrobe doesn't lie. <laughs> so when you yeah, go. No, they don't like any change in continuity at all. No, so you, <laughs> so you put on those pants because I remember I worked on a television show and over the period I stacked on over 10 kilos and I remember the girl had to have that difficult conversation with me going, just to let you know, we have no budget for new clothes and there's only so much I can expand those pants. Wow. They should have given you jeggings, mate. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you well were said. saying a little bit uh, a little bit earlier about that you, you, you used the phrase that you have an interesting relationship with food mm. uh, in that it has always been your sort of source of comfort. Um, has it ever got to that point where it was uh, – like for me where it got to the point where I was like, I think 125 was at my, you know, where it was out of control and it was because it was my source of comfort seeking behavior that I would keep going to it. And the more I went to it, the more I'd feel guilty, the more I felt guilty, the more sad I'd feel. So the only way to cheer myself up is with more food and the cycle continued. Yeah. Yeah. So, is in this what you just said then like no, 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 no. Over your, over your lifetime. Have you had situations where you felt like you'd, gave into it too much and you sort of be, became too big or too heavy for yourself? Yeah, so... What you're comfortable with? 
to be honest, to be honest with you, I am the heaviest that I've ever been right now. So um, I think I weighed my, I mean, numbers aren't, don't even matter, but like I uh, mm. weighed myself the other day and I'm like 80, I've hit 80 now. Like, How I've did that been, feel when you sort of saw that? It felt gross. Like it felt, I felt sick. I felt like overwhelmed. I feel like it's too hard to remedy. Like, you know, it's hard because it's like that vicious cycle. Because we, we, I got a treadmill. The only panic buy I did do when during this time was great panic buying. Great panic buying. Because I didn't know if we we're going to be let let outside, and I was like, shit. Yeah. And and this better than my electronic drum set that is still in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I haven't really used the treadmill that much either. But um, <laughs> sitting there and I, I was just like, because the things that used to work for me as you get older, obviously metabolism trains, all that stuff, mm. that little bit of effort is not resulting in any sort of uh, result. So now I have to really work hard. But it's that vicious thing of like running on a treadmill is hurting my knees and my ankles because I'm heavier than I've ever been. And, right. and I yeah. feel shit, like I feel terrible. And the only person I really whinge to or even talk about weight to is my husband. I don't really like having those conversations with people around me, women and stuff, because um, it just can lead into, I'm happy to listen, but uh, you know, I just know it's my own struggle. So, and he's like, well, Shazzy, then maybe um, don't eat, you know, don't eat a block of chocolate for breakfast. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right, but don't fucking tell me what I should do with my food. <laughs> Because <laughs> he'll eat the same, you eat the same shit as I do. But of course, he's not going to. He's in good nick, isn't it? I was, uh, I was having great. a stock of your, uh, of your. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you yeah. know what? He, during this time, he's gotten to the fittest he's ever been because yeah. he's been working out, and I've gone to the big. So we're at a bit of extremes, but I know it's a problem because we went for a bit of a walk the other, a bit of a hike at the thousand steps, and I was puffed out before the steps even began. Oh, I know, from the car park to the yeah. fucking steps. That thing in itself is bullshit. Like, I actually thought that was like, oh, have we reached to the top? They're like, no, no, this is not even the start. This yeah. is just the car park to the start of the steps. Yeah. And I was stopping like every hundred meters going, oh my God. Man. So I know, but and, and to be honest, the biggest battle I'm having in life at the moment is with my weight. And it's not even uh-huh. the weight. It's my, my men- mental mentality around it. So I, it's the one thing like I can achieve, I know I can achieve anything. Like if I've got a goal that I set to work wise, whatever it is, I'm a hard worker, I'll work harder. But the one thing that I just cannot get a hold of, and, and this has happened since, like I even tried to look, I got married a couple of years ago and I thought that will be the incentive, that will be the motivation where I'm like, man, this is the one day of my life. I'm paying so much money for photography and the videos. and I need to look my best. I couldn't even get into the shape that I wanted to get before that. I just haven't in the, in the last 10 years, I just haven't been able to turn it around. And I don't really know how to, like, I suppose I could get a personal trainer involved, but I do know it's a lot to do with diet. And right. yeah, I haven't been able to consistently get control of that, and and it has felt like shit. I I, yeah, I feel yeah. you, Sharon. I I feel like I've uh, I because Dylan and I started this, and then we dropped, uh, we got below a hundred, and I have popped above it. Uh, I've kept my running up just to keep my sanity up. Like even yesterday, I think I end up walking and running close to thirty kilometers, but. It's wow. food. It's food. Yeah. It's the food. It, again, people forget it's like 80% yeah. of it is what you shove into your mouth. So you, what you think is an extra, you know, a couple of slices of bread with butter and fig and, and sugar on top and 
just saying it makes me hungry. But it just <laughs> I love bread and butter. But it just yeah, no, yeah, you forget yeah. that you know when you are in a schedule and you are in a routine that yeah. that that you you know you 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 that's such a big part. And I I, I again I think you said I think you touched on something really really well. It's like you have got to be kind to yourself. This at the moment now. We are currently experiencing something that not none of our generations experience, unless you are super old and you went through the Spanish flu. Otherwise, this is this is new, mm-hmm. and I totally agree that you know going through that and wait, it's annoying because the weight can get to you. It really can, and then there's a period where you stop weighing yourself, but you feel it, and feeling it is actually even worse than seeing the figure on the scales. Yeah, because by the time you feel it, I feel like. Because if you're tall, I'm pretty tall, so the weight just distributes itself evenly and before you know it, it's like seven kilos and that just feels like shit. How am I going to do that? Because to even lose one, it's so hard. And, you know, like before this happened, I was going to a lot of events and stuff and so I don't compare myself to other people. I just don't. But what I what used to make me feel like shit when I was doing that was, um, you know, because uh, a lot of designers and stuff would um, want to dress me or whatever, but they couldn't because I'm not your standard size eight or 10 even um, in right. some, some clothes. And so they would send stuff to me thinking that it would fit and then it wouldn't. And then I'd like, you know, just, I remember being in tears and actually hubby was in tears as well. Cause like, I think it was like some massive event, some gala something. And the dress they sent me, fit but it needed like a lot of pushing and prodding and putting all the fat in spots and the only person I had at home was him and he was zipping me up at the back and he couldn't do it and I was yelling at him because he couldn't do it and he doesn't like fiddly things and it was this huge fight and then I cried and then he cried and I was like (laughs) if only I was skinnier and I just like didn't have this extra fucking back fat this I could have you know saved this fight and it wouldn't have happened so and not feeling comfortable and like having to suck everything in in photos like it just doesn't feel good it doesn't feel good so how do you navigate an entire industry around that sort of thinking like because because the only version of that that I can relate to is you know um you know there was a, a like a jacket that I wore for this uh, TV uh, stand-up gig that then eight months later I wore it again for my promo, my press shots for my new t- my tour that just went by, Victoria's Run. It's a purple velvet jacket. And in the, when I re-wore it for the shoot, it wasn't buttoning up. And I know that eight months ago it was. And I was so sad yeah. that that had happened even though I, the only thing that pulled me out of it was realizing that this current version that doesn't fit into the jacket just ran a marathon and that other version couldn't do a marathon. I'm like, well, fuck you, uh, uh, March 2019 <laughs> deal, because uh, October 2019 deal can run a marathon even though the jacket doesn't fit. But it's this really yeah. bizarre thing where you just have this visual like evidence trying to say to you, like it's almost your brain more than the industry or anything. It says saying that you are failing right now because the jacket doesn't fit or the dress doesn't fit. So I've only had like very minimal experience that. So how do you go about navigating something like that with wardrobe and with these things with designers and stuff like that? Look, I have, I have a whole spare bedroom full of clothes that I'm not willing to give away or do anything that is too small and haven't fit me for over five years. And I'm in denial. It's like I'm in denial. I'm like, I will get there. I will get there. Um, I don't even think I'm navigating it. It's just like the time's passing by and I'm just still here, you know, like with the work situation, like 
maybe it was good, maybe it was bad, but I started my role on Neighbours playing a character who's significantly older. So I play a mum to like, um, you know, teenage kids and some a bit younger, but a bit older. But yeah, so so they tried to dress me older. So they put clothes that were a bit more dowdy, a bit looser, not really showing my figure. And I kind of just lent into that. And so I was like, I don't have to be in a bikini every episode. So that's fine. So I'll just continue it on. It's only when stuff like that happens where I'm like, actually, I'm missing out on opportunities. And also, if I'm not on this show and say um, I'm going to be trying to audition for other things. It will limit my opportunities because whether you like it or not, this whole industry is weight-based, is looks-based. And you can have, and and I was talking about this the other day with a friend. It's like, there is no room in between and I'm in between. So I'm Uh not say like, and no disrespect whatsoever to this amazing woman, but I'm not Rebel Wilson where she makes jokes about her weight all the time and fat fat jokes or Fat Amy well, and all that. Fat Amy is literally yeah. the character's name. Which is a character, in, in yeah, one exactly. One of her breakout so, roles, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm not that that person, but then I'm not your stick skinny lead either. So what am I? I'm curvy and I'm yeah. in the middle. But will I ever be? Will I be perceived as lead? Like I've been told, I've been told by agents. I've been told when I was young, I was doing um, modelling. You know, did Miss World. Like I did all these things, and the feedback I got at every point was, even when I was really skinny. Like I look back at it, and I was like size eight. I was tiny, yeah, wow. tiny waist, but always had a booty. And I remember the um, the te- the modelling agent who shall remain unnamed because she still exists. But she said to me in front of the class where we we're doing etiquette classes whatever the fuck that means, deportment to be like a lady. I can't right. believe there's a class for that. But she took me to Jesus. the side and she was like, um, you know, you just need to focus on um, losing your thighs and that area. You just you need to lose it. And I was 17 or 16 at the time. And wow. do you know, if it wasn't for, and we talk about our family upbringing and stuff, if it wasn't for my family, like my dad, he's the guy that like, um, if you lose like one kilo, oh, you're too skinny. You look like you've <laughs> yeah, got yeah, yeah. like so they hate you when you're like too skinny. It's like you're really unhealthy. If it wasn't for my family, I probably would have an eating disorder the yeah, other way because wow. they for us it was like you gotta eat, you gotta have more, you gotta you gotta look healthy and plump and stuff. So yeah, so I think definitely I would have had it and I hear it all the time now, even amongst um, actors around me where they're just like, I just feel like, you know, I'm too fat and they're really, it's really the other way and it just yeah. is so disturbing. And, I, I, I don't really and, know how to navigate it. And, but and, also, and yeah, but I mean, I'll, yeah, go do it. Go. Sorry. No, it's just it's funny oh, no. because the, the the industry the industry uh, they say they're changing, but there's some parts that aren't changing, and yeah. uh, and it's great. It, and uh, you know, there are some such positive moments that you know we're getting more diversity on the screens. Uh, we're getting more opportunity for other voices to be heard. But when it comes to looks and appearances, we are still lagging behind. You can't be in the middle. It's either you're one side or you're down the other. And I think that's. Again, I where where the line is, or where the where the leadership from that comes. That's where I don't see that, you know, because you you'll see you'll see them say one thing on television, uh, but the upper echelons, it's like no, but you need to be this 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 and this if you want to get in front of the screen. Yeah, yeah, and it's not it's not accurate representation of what is attractive in in the real world because I know yeah. I know that I'm hot as hell. I get that feedback, right? So, you know, I know that I'm attractive and I feel attractive and I don't rely on anyone else to say that, but 
why wouldn't they put someone like, I mean, I'm not saying they haven't because I haven't really gone up for anything else at the moment, but putting someone that's your normal looking human being, uh-huh. you know, that hasn't had surgery and hasn't like done all the things or whatever. And, you know, isn't, isn't miserable from not eating up as the main person. I think it, again, it needs to be a progressive step from casting Is it- and, and yeah. all behind that. It sort of starts at that very sort of base. I was going to ask: Is it? Is it? Does it feel like it's getting better with seeing sort of different, you know, people in the media that are sort of? Someone was trying to explain to me about the culture around, you know, uh, I think lack of a better word, thick. The yeah. idea that you know, big booties, thick thighs, like the Beyonce sort of era. That's like in my head, it was from the early 2000s, but someone was like, no, it's only in the last 10 years that that has been more accepted and celebrated. Mm. So I think with that, definitely, because we're quite influenced by American culture as well, but, you know, um, within the black culture, that is incredible and revered and like that, but it was almost like exclusive to that. I think actually when it became Uh more um, acceptable was when, uh, the Kardashians, like whatever you want to say about oh, them, yeah. when yeah. they when they came in, and whether they've had surgery to enhance their butts or whatever it is, when they came in, and them being white women, yeah, they're Armenian, but white half white women or whatever, they came in, and then it became more okay. Yes, it's it's sexy to have a butt, and now people are getting butt implants and going the other way mm. to do that. But yeah, hundred percent. When I was at school, I used to tape my boobs down um, with sticky tape because really? I had boobs at a young age. Yeah, and I used to like get my like hips. I don't know where I saw it, but apparently, if you, it's not true. So don't take this advice. But you hit your thighs or your hips onto the side of the walls down the hallway. It makes them smaller. That's what I used. Oh, to do. And I went to a school where there was no brown people, no ethnics. It was just white people, and I was the curviest. You know, like yeah. you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it has. I only think it has become normal within within society and stuff. Yeah. Within the last. Um, 10 years but you still look at modeling runways it's a similar thing you either have an extremely i suppose overweight person and yeah. and then this but there's no real in between uh-huh but there is change oh, yeah. like there is some change like like i was saying with different things like diversity um and gender and things things like yeah. that there is but i still think we've got a way to come it's it slow comes. then yeah it yeah. is at least the change is but it's very slow mm. um we need to start wrapping yeah, up we uh, do. but but i wanted to quickly say though about that thing that it's, it's so true that that feeling of overwhelm that you feel when say when it's like wait and ben and i talked about this last week and and i was saying how i found inspiration about that from the strangest place which was the frozen 2 soundtrack which has a oh, song i saw that yeah yeah it's a song which is just basically like rather than focusing at the big task ahead or whatever that's overwhelming you just think about what's the next step you can take like what's the immediate next step without as you said rather than thinking shit how am i going to lose seven kilos or whatever like just going okay what do i need to lose a you know a half a kilo in a month or whatever it is just breaking it down to those little tiny things and ultimately like just approaching it as ben said from a kind but both of you said like from a kind place it really kind of undoes the spiral like it's almost like the guilt for me at least i'll speak from my own experiences a lot of the struggles that i come across is the guilt of not being at the weight that I wanted to be or was at or performing at this like running at the speed that I used to run or whatever it is and because I'm not that thing that I start to really feel down about where I'm at without realizing that you know this is something that I've picked up from doing yoga over the last two weeks is that you just whatever you show up 
or to, or to the mat on that day is where you're meant to be yeah. right now. And then using that as a starting pa- base is such a kind place to yourself. Like if for whatever reason, there's a pause in yoga that you were able to do a week ago that you can't do today, accepting that that's fine mm-hmm. and it's not a sign of failure is like such a huge load off your back, you weirdly. And you're like, oh, cool. Okay. Am I allowed to just not do this today? Great. I'll see what else I can do. And, you know, and just taking that judgment out of it, I think, has helped me personally clip some of that negative spiraling that that can send me to and to be honest I'm, I'm because i've always been f- f- honest on this podcast as soon as we hang up and end this zoom meeting there is some gelato messina waiting for me in the <laughs> fridge that i know it's a wednesday night and it's not a cheat day but i am fucking going through that yeah. tonight and it's it's the because I, I just that's the mood i'm in right yeah. now you know so so just sort of knowing that it's almost like this overwhelm of this this co- this virus yeah. just almost working with the force of it without letting it be too damaging just letting it have a couple of wins here and there so that i can bounce back the next day quicker because at least if i'm progressing a little bit every day it's better than you know just getting angry at myself for not totally. not and, feeling like i'm up to it and totally even thinking about like yeah have your ice cream don't feel bad about it when you're having it right. as well and and i said oh, to so hubby excited. as well i'm like do not even look at me while i finish this packet of chips we talk about it <laughs> after and but then you give yourself like a moment later and go well why did i do that okay yeah i'm tired today yeah this thing happened yeah all right cool all right that's fine um you know life is long and so tomorrow is a new day and i always think about that i love what you said about starting fresh on that yoga mat every day i kind of think of that in the morning and go okay today what good choices am i going to make for myself and actually something you said at the start of this podcast was finding things that you enjoy and a sub whatever the thing is as a side thing to that is that you is fitness the byproduct yeah yeah, the byproduct so for us it's been dog creeping so our puppies come in in a couple weeks but we dog creep every day we go to a park i get a coffee on the way and we kind of do that and before i know it we've done a couple of k's in a walk yeah yeah. and And feeling good about yourself but and also i think that's really important because i i think feeling good about yourself there are moments where and dill's really good at this i've i think i've found it harder in in this period but even if you have eaten that big chunk of shit food or you've binged on on bread and way too much butter, the thing I've been having is like I look at my kids and then just go, they had a good day. Yeah. They're happy. They, they've done their schooling and they're well fed. So, and you look, you're surviving. Yeah, you are surviving this pandemic but there's with a, your family. Yeah, and so there's a period where it's so easily to forget that because you're so yeah. you're so annoyed and you're focusing on the negatives that by the end of the day, when you want to collapse, you collapse with uh, a, you know a Freddo frog uh, underneath your pillow. I didn't do that, but I thought, how amazing would that be <laughs> in the middle of the night? Yeah. But it, I, I think I think that's something to be said that you know you, it, a lot of these things, in like in theory, you can go, yeah. It seems good. Currently at the moment in practice, it can be a bit challenging. It doesn't mean it won't happen later down or that you don't start afresh, but I agree with Dill and you've said it really well as well, Sharon, that you know you take that little next step. Your little next step and that yeah. can be today or for me, the 26th of May when they go back to school and care. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be an amazing day. But again, no, it- you do yeah. Oh, Ben, you are. And thank you, Dilrook, as well. You, you're doing a oh, job as well. 
ridiculous thank you so much for coming along that's it's been amazing and now uh, just a quick plug again a plug yes, again please. for your podcast because the zoom thing might run out of record <laughs> so we might as well get it in quickly yeah uh, it's we called are the real ones we are the real ones and people can find it on itunes and the usual podcast channels yeah and spotify or on my website www.sharonjohal.com she's all over Fantastic. it people she's all over it she's all over it uh, ben and I, uh, I'm Dilruk J on Instagram, uh, and uh, my Amazon special bundle of joy is uh, out now to stream, as well as Stan, uh, the Lockdown Festival, as uh, my episode came out last week. Uh, and uh, yeah, Ben, you're Ben Lomas Comic. Comic, uh, again, uh, Patreon, uh, if you want to hear that, there's two bonus episodes, uh, and again, next month, uh, there'll be another two. Again, if you've got a topic uh, that you think we should really dive into, let us know on the socials, but we are loving the feedback uh, from the last two, and of course uh, when we do post on there let us know what you thought about the SO we'd love to know your thoughts about Sharon it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, a breath no, of fresh thank air thank you for having me you guys are fucking legends I love you guys oh, thank you mate I love you too <laughs> thanks so much and keep up the amazing work on uh, on Australian uh, TV representing yes. uh, people of color I won't, I won't stuff this up I promise it won't Represent. be me <laughs> <Represent. laughs> <laughs> thanks, right, no thanks, thanks Sharon we'll see you guys. next week we did, we-